That is the name, amen, Jesus. And uh, yes, that is what we celebrate this time of year. Merry Christmas a little bit early. And uh, it is incredible to be together in, in God's presence, isn't it? So thankful for Pastor Randy and his team and just the heart's desire they have uh, to, to lead us into his presence, not just, you know, deliver a performance. You understand the difference, right? There's a difference between a performance and being in God's presence. And uh, I'm thankful that that's their heart and they do it so well. Uh, is we are in this series, The Name, and today as, as we dive into this, I thought it would be fitting to continue the spirit of celebration and uh, just to show a, a quick clip that is from last week. If you're a multi-service church like we are, you don't always get to see all the baptisms. And so we had some baptisms last week, and that is new life. That is God moving and working in each of these uh, people's life that you're going to see. And uh, one of them was, uh, for me, it was my, my third born, L, and uh, a really proud dad moment. So exciting for us and uh, really uh, encouraged by what the Lord's doing. So I hope this encourages you too. Check out some of what God is doing in birthing new life here. Come, come to the water, all who are thirsty, come and be filled. Oh, come, come to the river, brothers and sisters, come and be healed, come and be healed. Here we go. God good. So, so cool to see what, so cool to see what God is doing. And uh, today we're going to look at what does it mean uh, to be born of God? What, what is it that God gives birth to in our life? And even if we already know him, that he may want to give birth to in this new season. And uh, we just celebrate what God is doing with those that were in baptism. But I believe you're here for a reason today. And uh, I want to pray us in. And trust that what we saw God do in the first service, he has something special in this service. And we want to be open to whatever that is. I hope you're open too. Let's pray. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you that uh, it is your name, Jesus, the name above all names. And we thank you for this time of year where we can literally look to your birth and begin to learn again what it means that you are a God who's continually wanting to bring uh, new things into our lives and into our world. Father, I pray that your word would speak clearly this morning, that it would be uh, you, Holy Spirit, that has your way with this message, and that it would fall on hearts and minds and even ears that are open and receptive to you. We don't want to miss you today, Lord, so have your way. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. So, born of God is the big idea, and uh, if you're online, uh, drop that in the chat, let our hosts know that, that you heard it, born of God, and in here, let me hear you say it, born of God. 
That, that, that's what this season is about, is the fact that Jesus was born of God, and as we move into his word, you're going to see that that has a lot of implications then and now. But preparing for this, I went back in memory lane. I have four children, and so I pulled out, you know, some baby pictures and was kind of going back over, uh, you know, their birth. Now, to be clear, uh, I didn't give birth to anything, okay? Uh, you, you, some of you women are like, you better say that, Right? Uh, but I was there. I was along for the ride. I was, I was in the room, if you will, uh, for three of the four, and I'll, I'll show you that in a minute. So here's our firstborn. This is Hannah, uh, and uh, yeah, it just going through these pictures stirred my heart all over again. Each child had a different birth story. Uh, Hannah's actually was, uh, three, our three biological children were all born uh, in the same hospital, but Hannah was born in March, and we're from Michigan, and she was born in the middle of a snowstorm in March. Y'all, I love this 80-degree Vero thing at Christmas, okay? It's so good. And uh, yeah, she, she was born in a snowstorm, and uh, second one here is Dawson. And uh, that is our only son, and uh, he came in the summer, and uh, he came, he, he kind of, you know, Cindy may have a different story, my wife, but uh, my vantage point was it was the easiest birth. He kind of just walked out and said, hey, I'm here, and uh, had a ton of energy and still does today. And uh, then we have Elle, our third born, and uh, she was our fall baby. Uh, that's when the leaves change, uh, if you're not from the north, and uh, so it was just a beautiful time of year. And uh, clearly, our family had a few more resources for that picture than we had with the first two. Anybody else? <laughs> anybody else relate to that as you, as a young family, right? And uh, then this next picture is our daughter Jasmine. And I got to tell you, just I get chills looking at the picture because Jasmine came into our life uh, as a family when she was five. And uh, as she did that, and as we adopted her into our family as our daughter. Uh, we didn't have any pictures. We weren't there at her birth. And then somebody brought us one. And to just see that and to imagine what it was like uh, and, and, and just who she was at that young age, uh, to have this picture for her and for us is such a gift. And so as we lean in today, we're going to see that, that our God invites us into a new birth to regenerate us. Uh, he invites us to be his to, to actually be called sons and daughters, that, that actually we are invited in a way that has implications that are way bigger than just the moment you receive Jesus. It, it has to do with how we live and how we function and what he has for us. And so as we look at this, turn with me to John chapter 1. In, uh, last week in the first five verses, John laid out, we, we looked at the fact that Jesus was a part of the Trinity, is a part of the Trinity. He was there at the beginning of creation. He is the Son of God. And therefore, now we move into this next section in verse six through eight, where John begins to lay out some other aspects of who Jesus is. But he also mentions this guy named John, and we'll talk about him. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about that light, or about the light. If you're taking notes, people born of God bear witness to his light. You see, John had a birth story. John was actually uh, born to Elizabeth and Zechariah. 
Uh, he's, John is the John the Baptist that we would hear later about in the Gospels. He, he actually is one of Jesus' cousins, and when the angel comes to Zechariah and announces that he's going to have a son, Zechariah laughs, and the angel says, boom, you're now going to be mute and deaf for the duration of the pregnancy. This is Pastor Brian's paraphrase. You following? And so that's what unfolds. So during the pregnancy, Elizabeth receives what God wants to birth with faith. We also see in the same narrative, the same story, that there's these cousins, Mary and Joseph, that have received also something born of God, this son of God, Jesus, that will be born. They both respond with a little bit of fear and trembling, but a whole lot of faith when God speaks into them. And, And so there comes a moment in all of this where the two connect and converge, and Mary runs into Elizabeth as she visits. And how many of us are visiting family, or you will be this coming? Okay, about four of you. Um, (laughs) uh, It's that time of year, right? And so every family has good and stuff and things, and you can imagine that this particular moment was filled with a lot of questions. A lot of questions about, how is this working, Elizabeth? And, And Mary, like, you really weren't with Joseph? Uh, Too real? I guess so. So they are interacting here, and let's take a look at this in Luke chapter 1. This is when John is still being carried by Elizabeth, and Jesus still being carried by Mary. It says, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped, say that with me, leaped in her womb. Now, I obviously have not carried a child. I cannot imagine. Women, can you imagine if you've carried a child, if that child leaped in your womb? Like, this is what the child did when it came into proximity to what God was birthing with Mary and with Jesus. It goes on to say, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to me, or came to my ears, the baby in my womb, what? Leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to from the Lord. You see, you have a number of things happening there, but what's clear is that John, even in the womb, was bearing witness to the light. That this little baby that had been conceived and was still being carried was bearing witness by leaping and and showing its joy in the presence of what Jesus, of who Jesus was and what God was birthing. So again, let me, let me back up for a minute and ask the question, when God is birthing something in your life, what are you bearing witness to? Because John had a very specific calling and purpose. John actually was uh, sent to be a messenger. He would later uh, be called a voice in the wilderness. His ministry was specific and very clear that in fact his life in his 30s would end up being spent in the wilderness calling people to repentance and preparation for the coming of the Messiah, Jesus. Now, we could say, well, that was just for John. And while that specific aspect was true, we all need to know that regardless of what we've been told, regardless of your family and what they've said about you, if you've been told you were a mistake, if you have been told you were not wanted, 
If you have been told that your life did not have a purpose, you need to know that's a lie from the pit of hell. That in fact, our God loves and creates each one of us. Psalm 139, he knits us together in the womb that he has a plan, he has a purpose, and part of that purpose is that each of us would bear witness to the light. And I love this because John did it even in the womb, and then as an adult, we'll see a few verses later in John chapter 1 that he was still doing this. Let me show you verse 29. It says, the next day he saw, so John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. He recognized that Jesus was the light, that Jesus was the one people needed. And he was humble enough to say, hey, I've been doing my part, but hey, the guy you really need just arrived. Let me ask you, what is your life bearing witness to? How is your life, if you've been born again, if you know Jesus, what is it bearing witness to? Is it bearing witness to the fact that we have a God who shines his light into any darkness? That no matter what we've been through, what we've done, those aren't things to be hidden in shame. Those are things when Jesus touches them to be brought out front to say, look at what God can do. But to do that takes a level of humility. A level of humility that says, I'm not going to hide the broken and the dark. I'm going to bring it into the light and let Jesus get the glory through it. And this is for every believer. Let me show you Matthew chapter 5, what Jesus said to you and I. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light, say your, okay, not Pastor Brian's, not the church's, like that's all part of this, but your light, let your light shine, it says, before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So our good works, the things we do, are not to get to heaven, but because we are going because we can say, look at what God did for me. We begin to serve and make a difference. We begin to give and love on others. And we do that not so they look at us and say, man, you're pretty cool. You're pretty great. We do it so they look at us and say, I want whatever you have. Because I see that it's Christ in you. It's the light. It's the glory of God. We are all, if we're born of God, meant to bear witness to the light. And can you imagine what, what this would look like? I mean, just think about like if we were all shining brightly, like it set a city on a hill and I, you know, here in Vero, we don't have any hills unless you go on a bridge, right? Like this place is flat. And, and yet, can you picture that if we as the church, not just Pathway, but other Bible-believing, Christ-centered churches in our area were really shining the light of Jesus? This would be a different community. Your home would look different. Your neighborhood would look different. Your workplace would look different. Your school, if you're a student, would look different. And it wouldn't be because we're great. It would be because we're telling everyone, look at what God has done for me and how great he is. Things born of God naturally bear witness. 
And so I want to encourage you to think about how does God want to use you in this season? How does he want to shine through you and make a difference? Because none of us are to be hidden. Let's go on. Verse 9. It says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. As we look at these three verses here, Jesus was and is often not welcome. And you may say, how in the world can you say that? And here's why I say that, because we often have a version of Jesus that we like. A version of Jesus that maybe fits the lifestyle we want to live and what we want to be about. But the fullness of Jesus, all of who Jesus is, is going to revolutionize any life it comes in contact with. That in fact, the real Jesus, when he begins to show up, begins to say, hey, here's an area of your life that I want to make more like me. And it causes change and transformation. Often, if we're honest, we're not open to that. And what John is saying is that that was the deal. When Jesus arrived, the world did not receive him. They didn't know him, and they didn't really want to. I mean, to put this into context, can you picture, uh, maybe you've seen the, the show Undercover Boss. Anybody? It's a little dated now, but you can still see some episodes, I believe. And, and you have a show where a boss disguises themselves and is in the business. And it's always interesting to see at the end how that boss's heart is touched and moved because it understands its employees better and it wants to bless and typically, you know, it's always like, okay, how much is the boss going to give away today, right? To the employees at the end of this show. Jesus was the ultimate undercover boss. He still is. Because he didn't, he didn't just, he doesn't just manage. He's the creator of everything. The inventor. And when Jesus comes in the flesh, he comes out of a heart to know you and I. To have a relationship with us. To actually say, listen, I was fully God and fully human. I know what it's like to deal with struggles and temptation. And I want to be your friend. Jesus wants to be more than just your Savior. He wants to be your Lord and your friend. Emmanuel, what does it mean? God with us. That in fact, we would look and welcome Jesus into every aspect of our life, that we could know him as a friend. And friends, what I missed growing up in the church was that. I knew about Jesus, but it was actually at the age of 19 when I fully surrendered that I actually began a real relationship with Jesus. My heart and desires for all of us to be born of God in such a way that we know that he wants to know us and walk with us and be with us. But here's the thing. Sometimes, again, we're rejecting that, and just like they are, we aren't receiving him. Let me go to the manger for a minute. If you turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 2, there's this moment where if you think about the, the Christmas story, it's like who would you not want to be in that story? Uh, obviously, King Herod would be one of those people. The other one? Would you want to be that innkeeper? 
Like, think about it. The guy that said, I got no room for Jesus, the guy that said, no, uh, why don't you go out back in the, the cave and, and, you know, we have a stable and a manger and we're going to put you among the animals and the dung and all of that. Let me read it to you. Maybe with new eyes. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. This is Mary. And Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. Now, as I was thinking about this this morning, actually, I realized, like, I would not want to be that innkeeper, but maybe we've given that innkeeper a little bit too much of a bad rap. Because what he did do is he didn't say, hey, uh, no, I don't have room for you, go to the next inn, or hey, I don't have room for you, go down the road. He actually made room. Now, it wasn't in the main room. It wasn't in the main lodging. I'm sure he probably had regrets later. But it was actually towards the back of the property. So he still made room, but it wasn't in the center. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Like, how many times do we do that with Jesus? Where we say, hey, you're welcome in my life, but I don't want you in the center and in the main space I'm going to put you in this little compartment over here called Sunday morning, Wednesday night. Definitely not at work or at school. So let me ask you a question. Will you make room for Jesus? And not just Jesus, but his work in your life. Because I really believe that our God, not only does, are we born again in him, but he wants to birth and do new things in our life. But we have to be a people that is making room for what he wants to do. And maybe some of us need to take him from the backside or whatever compartment we've placed him in and make him the main thing today. To say, Jesus, I need more of you and all of you. Now, as I prepared for this message, there's a moment where it was like, oh, man, Lord, no, I want to cut that. I don't, I don't necessarily want to say that or do that. Now you really want to know what it is, don't you? Because I didn't cut it. In parentheses, and his work in your life, I believe that God is moving and working in our world right now. I believe that actually God has some very special plans that are going to be unfolding in the months and years ahead here in Vero Beach. I believe that we'll face choices in our individual life, and as a life, in a life of a church, on whether or not we're going to allow things that are birthed from God to play out. This morning I was texting back and forth with six other pastors in the area. Some of us have been responding to each other at times we probably should be preaching, so it's been interesting. But there's a unity that is coming there's relationships being formed. This isn't about any one church. This is about God's kingdom and what he may want to do here and beyond here. And there's a moment in Acts chapter 5 that I don't want us to miss this morning. In Acts chapter 5, it says this. There's a moment where God's spirit is moving in the community and they bring it to the religious leaders and these religious leaders have room for Jesus in part, but not in whole. 
These religious leaders did not want to see God move in a way that seemed foreign. And there was one leader that actually spoke up with some words of wisdom. Here's what he said. Gamil said, so in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. Can I just encourage us to be the kind of church in place that says there is room for Jesus to work and we do not want to get in the way of God's work? And sometimes, church, we do that by speaking up too quickly and by gossiping about our neighbors and brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Whoo! It's quiet. Merry Christmas. I can't not put this in front of us because I absolutely know that God has something significant. He's getting ready to birth and do. And I want us to be a part of it. I really do. And you need to know, we're always going to keep it biblical. It's all going to come back to what, what do we know about the word of God and the truth of God and the grace of God and the love of God. Amen? Amen. Let's look at the last couple verses here in John. Verse 12 and 13, it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. There's so much truth in this passage. And if you're taking notes, belief in Jesus' name leads to being born of God. There's a couple of pieces that are important here for us to unpack. One is the word belief. This belief is a by faith kind of thing. You see, apologetics are incredible. Defending our faith is great, but there will always come a moment where there's not enough answers because the threshold of a relationship with God is only crossed by faith. That there's always a moment where we have to, by faith, step forward and lean into the relationship with Jesus. And for some of us here today, or online, you may be realizing that you've been around church, been around religion, but you've not actually been born again. We're going to look at what does it mean to be born again, to actually believe in Jesus, and to receive what he has for us. But I don't want us to miss, those of us that have been around this, maybe you've taken that step. But when it says in Jesus' name, it doesn't mean like, how we view a name in Western culture. You see, some of you know my first name is Brian, okay? That's something I write and I sign and it has some weight on legal documents and all of that. But in our Western mindset, you don't think of my name as representing the fullness of who I am. But in the first century, when John is writing this, he's actually writing to a people that would actually view a name as representing the fullness and the totality of who that person was. That actually to, to put the name out there and to believe in the name would be not to just believe in part of who Jesus is, but all of who Jesus is. To believe that not only is he Lord and Savior, but he is a deliverer, a healer. 
He brings the kingdom. He is the son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the one that brings life and life abundantly. That that belief is in Jesus' name and it's so much greater than oftentimes what we realized maybe we signed up for. John is saying to believe in that name is to receive life and life to the full. And it goes a little bit further, uh, just a short bit later in the same letter, in chapter 3, Jesus interacts with a religious leader named Nicodemus. And I want, I want you to see this interaction because for some of us, this may be a breakthrough, a moment where you realize where God has been leading and what he has for you. In John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, I say to you, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. What's amazing about this is it's describing often the fact that we, we can't put our finger on or control what the Lord is doing. That, that actually when the Spirit is moving, and remember, this is the same John that in chapter 1 reminded us that Jesus was there at the firstborn of creation, that he was involved in creation, that when the w world in Genesis chapter 1 was in darkness and chaos, that the Spirit of God was hovering over the world, and that when God spoke and said, let there be light, and he began to create, that it changed the world, and created what we know today. You and I need to realize that this is the same God. That when the Spirit of God is moving and beginning to birth something new, our response should be yes and amen. Whatever you want, Lord, is what I want to receive. And as Nicodemus is hearing this, you can imagine he probably longed to see what God had for him, but also for others. And Jesus would describe his heart through a very familiar passage for many of us in verse 16 and then verse 17. Here's what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You see, you can look around for things to save you, or you can look to the Savior who came to do what you and I could not do. Jesus, in fact, did what we could not do. He came in the flesh, fully God and fully man. He showed us what humanity was meant to look like when sin wasn't involved. 
He died on the cross. And when he rose again, he was born twice. Always existed, but born in the flesh, fully God and fully man, died on a cross, and then born through resurrection. And that resurrection is what allows us to be born again. I really believe that there's some here today that you've been around this thing for a while and God's calling you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That in fact, the Spirit is moving in such a way, whether you're in person or online, that that you're actually hearing the Lord say, I love you, I want to forgive you, I want to rush into your life. I want to be the light in those dark spaces. You don't have to carry it any longer. You don't have to hold on to it any longer. He's here to give new birth and regeneration. And I believe for others of us that have done that, that this is a reminder today in a moment to say there's other spaces in our life that God wants to shine into. So let me ask you three questions, next step questions. One is your life bearing witness to the light of Jesus. As you heard earlier, I'm a father of four, and I had a moment uh, a few days ago with one of my kids, and they called me out on it, and they absolutely deserved to, and they were right. Did you know pastors aren't perfect? (laughs) You're like, yeah, I know you. No, there was a moment with one of my children where I exited the home in a way that was not right. And I had to repent of that because in that moment, I wasn't showing the light of Christ. Have you had some of those moments and God's saying, hey, I want you to shine the light. I want you to bear witness. Secondly, is Jesus welcome in every area of your life? Is there an area where he's saying, hey, I want to come out of the the back room or, or the compartment and I want to be in the center and in the middle? Is Jesus welcome in every area of your life to birth and do whatever he wants to do? And then third, do you believe in Jesus' name? Do you believe in the fullness and the wholeness and the entirety, the totality of who he is? Because if we do, he's going to change your life and the life of this church and our community in the year ahead. He can't help but do that. Because he's a God of healing and transformation and freedom. He wants to bring his kingdom. And so if you're here and you've never taken the step to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, whether you're in person or online, we want to make room right now for you to pray with me. There's no magical prayer. It's just a moment where you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart. Scripture says you will be saved. So in this moment right now, if you believe that Jesus came and died and rose again, that he paid the price for your sins and is offering you life and is saying, my spirit is moving, I want you to be born again today. I want to pray with you. So if I could get everybody here and online, as long as you're not driving a car, close your eyes. Let's bow our heads. And if that's you right now, I'm just invite you to pray and repeat after me. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died for my sins and rose again. Jesus, I need you, and I repent of my sins. Forgive me, wash over me, make me new. 
Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. And I commit to following you all of my days. Thank you for new life and a new family to do life with in the church. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. If you're here and you prayed that prayer, we would love to talk with you in person and celebrate with you. You could also fill out one of the U cards on your chair and bring it to our welcome center if, if you're more comfortable with that. If you're online, our host has something for you and will connect with you. But right now, I want to ask that we stand and that we move from consumer and spectator to participant, that we take this moment and we say, oh, that's right. God has been that good to me. It's time for me to shine his light. And if we can't get fired up about that in here, I'm sure we can't shine out there in the way he wants to. So church, let's worship and praise and raise the roof. Is that still a saying? Right? Let's give him all the glory that he's due. Amen? Let's worship him.
with our hands lifted high in praise and it's you and it's you we adore singing Sing that one more time, because we're waiting here for you with our hands and it's you we adore singing. Amen. Amen. As we get ready to go, a uh, couple of things. If you've uh, made a decision today, uh, filled out a U card or want to talk to one of us, uh, we would love to do that. The altars will stay open. We have prayer partners you know, that are ready to pray with you if you still need prayer. If you're a guest, please come out those doors to our welcome center. We have a gift for you. We would love to welcome you. Uh, on your chairs, if you're here in person, there's a red card. Can you show me that you found it? Can you just pick it up real quick? Audience participation, okay, all right. That card is not for you, okay, because you're here. That card is for you to go out and invite others this week to Christmas Eve services, amen? So go out, be a light, invite others, and uh, if you need more, we have plenty of them. I'm going to pray for us, uh, but before I do, I, I want to just share a couple of, just one little really cool thing that happened during the first service. Uh, we had three people online that prayed to receive Jesus, and so really, really encouraging. Um, online church, uh, we love you, and we're so glad you're with us. Uh, the second thing is, throughout the morning, uh, I just felt this prompting. Uh, for the last seven weeks, uh, some of you know I had a knee replacement, and a lot of that time I had spent in a lazy boy with a, you know, ice pack recovering and healing and all of that. And through that process, one of the things that God has really done is birthed a deeper desire to see us be a praying church. To see us be a church where we are praying together, it's the center and the foundation of who we are. And so there's some things that God has laid on my heart that, that I really would like to, to share, but it's not yet for everyone. And so here's what I'm saying. There's a few of you that God's probably been stirring you in the same way over the last few weeks because God's just good like that in his body. And if you are interested in hearing more and would like to hear more about kind of some things coming in January with prayer and, and to be a part of that, uh, five minutes after this service, I'll be in the hub right out those doors and would love to connect with you and talk with you. Uh, after first service, we had a group that met me in there, and I believe there's probably a few in here that you're feeling that and would like to meet. Amen? So I'll be in there. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you. Uh, that this Christmas season, that Jesus, you are showing up and really showing out, reminding us of who you are, the fullness of what that means to be born of you and to see things, new things happen in our lives. I pray that this week, 
we would bear witness to the light, that we would make a difference in our homes, our neighborhoods, our community, that you would use us to bring you glory. And for those that may be hurting or without hope right now, meet them in that, show them Jesus who you are, and then shine through them to help others. Father, we love you and praise you. I pray for my brothers and sisters that we could love you and love all people in our pathway this week. And we thank you for your hand, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. Be with us now as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. Go now and be the church.